0: Welcome back to the Stack Econ Bits. Today, we'll be discussing unemployment. My name is James. If you're a new listener, I'm joined here today by Dan and Vera. Dan, Vera, how are you both doing today? And how was your summer?
1: Really good. I travel a little bit, so it was nice just to enjoy and disconnect.
2: My summer was great. I was able to gain more knowledge about the current situation of the economy through my financial planning internship.
0: That sounds great. So let's get into it. So we're going to start off by discussing U3 unemployment.
2: What's U3 unemployment, James.
0: Oh, I'm glad you asked, Dan. U3 unemployment is the
2: total number
0: of people unemployed, but actively looking for work. U3 unemployment is the official unemployment rate, like the one you would see on TV.
1: James, where does U3 unemployment stand today?
0: So as of July 1st, the unemployment rate sat at 3.5%, which signals a tight labor market, meaning there are plenty of jobs available and workers are scarce. The Fed expects this rate to rise in the coming months as it continues its contractionary monetary policy to fight
2: rampant inflation. James, how does that rate of unemployment compare to the last few months? And could you also tell us what that means? Sure. No problem, Dan. That 3.5%
0: unemployment rate signals a tight labor market. The level we're at now is the level we were at before the pandemic. When the pandemic started, we got to levels only seen during the Great Depression, and you know that was due... Two has we all know it too well the lockdowns, um, and as we know, that's only a temporary thing. As you know, we're no longer restricted from going out and doing things. <laughs> so, you know, as I said before, uh, the labor market's tight, and that's because there's a ton there's a ton of people out there that could be working, and they haven't returned to the workforce. So the unemployment rate is a little bit lower than where it should be, but again, you know this. It's expected to change with the Fed's con- contractionary monetary policy, which should dampen spending by firms. Um, Dan, I think now is a good time to discuss labor force participation.
2: All right. Awesome. The Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis defines the labor force participation rate as a percentage of the working age population that is either working or actively looking for work. The working age population accounts for people aged 16 to 64.
1: Dan, can you tell us about any trends over the last few months with labor force participation? Could you also tell me about the meaning of those trends?
2: I would be happy to, Vera. Over the over the entire year of 2021, the rate increased from 61.4% to 61.9%. Comparing that to 2022, the rate jumped up to 62.4% this past March, but a slightly dropped down to 62.1% from then to July. This drop in the rate... Could be for multiple reasons, and it isn't necessarily a bad thing. The number of people in the working age population could have increased, and if the number of people working or actively looking for work hasn't changed, then this will cause the overall rate to drop slightly. Another reason could be that the number of discouraged workers has increased with companies trying to revert back to in-person labor while employees are searching for jobs with hybrid or virtual work options. This would cause the number of people looking for work to drop, also decreasing the participation rate. It's hard to determine exact causation in this post-COVID economy.
0: Thanks, Dan, for that great analysis. Uh, Vera, can you tell me what what the U6 unemployment is?
1: Sure. The U6 unemployment is the number of people unemployed, including those who are underemployed, marginally attached to the labor market, and have given up looking for work.
2: Vera, where does it stand today? What trends have you noticed? And what do those trends mean for the economy?
1: The u 6 stands at 7% in August, and it had declined dramatically since the pandemic, which was at 29, uh, 22.9% when it started, meaning that unemployment completely recovered as the levels pre-pandemic stood at 6.9%. As we know, the dual mandate of the Fed is to maintain full employment and price stability. So the Fed has to employ monetary policy tools in order to suppress unemployment rates during crisis as the COVID-19.
2: Vera, can you tell us about the unemployment claims and what we should expect?
1: Sure. The number of people applying for unemployment benefits fell to a one-month low of 243,000 last week, indicating that layoffs remain near record lows and that a tight labor market is keeping the U.S. economy going forward. Despite the fact that the economy has slowed, most businesses have not resorted to layoffs, and many are actively hiring. What we probably expect is that the initial jobless claims will gradually rise as economic growth slows and businesses focus on reducing inefficiencies in a shaker fundamental backdrop. Thank you, Vera. So, all right, then. It's
0: time to talk about the non-cyclical non-cyc- rate of unemployment.
2: Oh, come on, James. Really? Uh, t- Sorry, man. Just do this for me. Uh, fine. The non-cyclical rate of unemployment, also known as the NARU, is the rate of unemployment arising from all sources except for aggregate demand. It represents the lowest unemployment rate, whereby inflation is stable.
1: Interesting. Then, can you tell me where it stands now and what that means for the economy?
2: Absolutely. For the second quarter of this current fiscal year, the Fed calculated the NARU to be 4.44%. This means that the lowest unemployment rate that the United States economy can have at the moment with stable inflation would be 4.44%. We can see that this isn't the current situation with inflation sitting at 8.5% for July and the unemployment rate being as low as it was before the pandemic at 3.5%. The Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis has also predicted that the NARU will slowly decrease to 4.25% by 2032.
0: All right, Dan, since you really don't want to talk about anything else, uh, I'm going to discuss uh, non-farm payroll employment, if that's all right with you. Fine with me.
1: James, what is that?
0: I'm glad you asked, Vera. So non-farm payroll employment is the indicator that the Fed looks at as it represents uh, the number of jobs added or lost to the economy. Non-farm payroll employment excludes proprietors, private household employees, unpaid volunteers, farm employees, and unincorporated self-employed individuals.
2: James, I know I really didn't want to talk about this, but what's happening with non-farm payroll employment and why is it important for us to know?
0: Yeah, sure, Dan. So, the pandemic led to the biggest drop in non-farm payroll employment since the Great Depression. You know, from February 2020 to April 2020, it decreased by 14%, which means there was, you know, decreasing, like there wasn't as many jobs available. Since that point, now fully recovered to where we were in February 2020, pre-pandemic. This means that there has been a big, large increase in hiring. That increase in hiring also signals to the Fed a healthier, more robust economy. This gives consumers more money to spend, which in turn leads to economic growth. But as we've seen with the influx of the government stimulus and the great thing inflation, more people, that means more money in people's pockets, which means more spending. And with the supply chain shortages, this helps raise prices. The Fed's dual mandate is to maximize employment and to increase, and an increase in the non-farm payroll employment is good for that. But the other part is low inflation. So that's not happening. So with a contractionary monetary policy, the Fed is looking to lower inflation, uh, which could change, which means they're looking for the non-farm payroll to decrease going forward.
1: James, before you discuss the Phillips Curve, I would like to talk about the unemployment benefits during COVID and afterward and their impact on the economy.
0: Sure, Vera, please go ahead.
1: The COVID-19 outbreak has caused enormous economic damage, and the consequences will be felt for months or years to come. Anyone who is fired or laid off as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak will be eligible for unemployment compensation. Workers are paid for a specific amount of time or until they find another job. It is intended to provide an unemployment uh, person with enough time to find a new job that is equivalent to the one that was lost without causing financial stress or forcing them to take a job for which they are overqualified these benefits are very helpful for society and help to stimulate the economy during risk recessions however if benefits are overly generous the programs might prolong unemployment and raise the unemployment rate the policy challenge is to protect employees while minimizing undesirable consequences
0: does anything does any does anybody have anything they'd like to add or comment on before we conclude our podcast
2: yeah james uh, weren't you supposed to Talk about the Phillips curve next? Oh, wait, 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 seriously? How did I forget that? You forgot? Are you kidding me? Vera, do you really think he forgot? I don't think he forgot.
1: Maybe. We will see how his analysis of it goes. If it's good, then he forgot. If it's bad, he definitely did that on purpose.
2: I agree with Vera. Let's see it, James.
1: Uh, All right, man. All I can say is, wow, Uh, I can't believe you both
0: don't believe me. So... Let me get started on the Phillips Curve then. Uh, The Phillips Curve is named after an economist, A.W. Phillips, who examined the UK unemployment and wages from 1861 to 1957. Phillips found an inverse relationship between the level of unemployment and the rate of change in wages. What that means is that low unemployment usually goes with high inflation, according to the Phillips Curve, and high unemployment goes with low inflation, according to the Phillips Curve. Right now, we're experiencing the low unemployment and high inflation piece of that. A low unemployment means more people are working, which signals a higher demand for labor, which puts which puts more upward pressure on wages, which means firms have to raise their prices as their cost of production are increasing. And before the pandemic, there was talk of the Phillips curve flattening as there was a long period of a low unemployment and low inflation. So the Phillips curve has become less reliable than it used to be. So finally, does anyone have anything they'd like to add or comment on before we conclude our podcast?
1: So I would like to thank everyone for listening to this podcast and remind you to stay active on what's happening in the news.
0: Well, that's going to conclude this episode of the Stack Econ Bits. I hope you all enjoyed it. Take care.